conversations with God, the first few words come easy. But where do we go from there? What could help prayer feel fresh, authentic, honest, fulfilling? What if the inspiration we need has been here for us all along? everybody. It has been an intense morning around here already, and so I hope you're ready for what God is up to. So I found myself praying this past week, God move the candy. God move the candy. Now that prayer makes no sense unless you know the backstory. So I'm in a store. Guy comes up beside me. I hear him working with the foil package of a candy. I hear him popping in his mouth. You know that sound it makes when it clinks off your teeth? So I'm unwrap it, popping in his mouth, and then I'm down, kind of down here, looking at hair product. Don't judge me, okay? All right? <laughs> and then I realize there's nothing but absolute silence coming from the person next to me. So I look up at him, and there's no sound, just really, really big eyes. He was choking. He couldn't speak. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't do anything. Third time in my life, I've had to do the Heimlich on someone. What is the mathematical probability of that? Third time in my life, and as I've got my arms wrapped around his sternum, I'm saying, God, move the candy. God, move the candy. And on the second pull, pop, out it came. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes... Sometimes if you don't know the backstory, the prayer doesn't really make sense. Listen to this prayer and ask yourself, what must have happened to this person to make them pray this way? My heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There's no one holy like the Lord, there's no one besides you, there's no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. And by him, deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. What kind of a story do you think is behind that kind of a prayer, that amazing prayer. It, it seems to be full of trust and truth, but it may surprise you. It actually came out of a life that was full of absolute and utter despair for years. Tough seasons often bring us to a point where we get very real with God. We get real because challenges have a way of pushing everything to the side. Because in a moment of challenge, it's not about what we want anymore, it's about what we need. God, I need your help. God, I need you to show up in this moment. God, I need a healing. I need a miracle. Here's my question. What, what do you need from Jesus today? Not what you want. We all have a list of wants, right? But what do you, what do you need? A reconciliation, a healing, a glimpse of hope, a second or third chance to try and make something right, a removal of shame. How about a fresh start? What about a friend that will stick closer than a brother? Uh, how about just some direction? What do you really need? 
I want to introduce a young lady to you who takes us into a moment of raw need. This is her story from 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroboam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. Yes, I had to practice that. He had two wives. I'll come back to that in just a second. One was called Hannah, the other Penaniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Let's stop right there for just a second. Because some of you are already just going, whoa, 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 he had, he had two wives? Okay, let's stop there and have the sister wives conversation right now out of the gate, okay? Let's answer the polygamy question. This is what the Bible teaches. Polygamy was never a part of God's plan. I don't know if you've noticed this, but, but there, there's this tendency in humanity that God says to do one thing and we just go and do another. Anybody else experienced that before, right? God says one thing, we do another. In Scripture, Lamech was the first man in the Bible to take two wives, and he was known for his evil, not for his godliness. Here's another interesting note. In all of Scripture, there's no record, not a single record of a happy polygamous family. I want you to just think about some of the Old Testament stories. Abraham had more than one wife. It led to bitterness between Sarah and her maid Hagar and the eventual dismissal of Hagar and Ishmael. And we're still living with the fallout of the Ishmaelite story right now. A guy named Jacob, his polygamy led to Rachel's jealousy of Leah and to Joseph being betrayed and sold by his half-brothers. David did the same thing. It led to the rape of one of his daughters, her name was Tamar, by one of his own sons, Tamar's half-brother Amnon, and Amnon's subsequent murder by Tamar's brother Absalom. That is not a good scenario. The Bible says Solomon. It says that his many wives turned away his heart from the Lord into the worship of false gods. So just because the Bible records polygamous relationships does not mean that God approves of such things. And this is not to be debated. God's plan was always monogamy. Always one man, one woman in a covenant relationship for a lifetime. That was God's plan. So the Bible says Elkanah had two wives, not a good plan, and this is their story. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah... He gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. You should underline that in your Bible. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat. That's just tough so can we understand that? Hannah is challenged. Hannah is sad. Hannah is struggling. Hannah is praying. In your outline, it listed them off. Hannah had experienced the heartbreaking challenges of infertility. So over the years as a pastor, I've walked with so many couples. And there are a lot of heartbreaking situations in the world. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm not sure I've ever found a tougher struggle for a married couple than infertility. When you want a child for the sake of love and you're not able to have that dream, it just causes all sorts of questions between husband and wife and between the couple and God. 
And I'm gonna say this to you. If you're here today and that's your struggle, I am not going to put a bunch of pastoral platitudes on your life. I'm not gonna stick bumper stickers on the pain in your soul. But I want you to know this. We're with you. And we're praying for you. And we're believing in God that he can give you the miracle that you're asking for. And because this is a series about prayer, it would seem like just insanity to come to a moment that's so tender like that and not actually pray for people. I got to pray with two couples this morning who said, Grant, that's just our story. So I'm gonna invite you right now. I'm gonna head over here to the prayer bench and if you would join me, we're gonna pray. So would you pray with me? Father God, we have no easy answers for couples who are struggling. But God, you are the God of miracles and so we ask on their behalf for the miracle of a child. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cement husband and wife together. God, don't allow this to become divisive. Lord, we rebuke the enemy as he would come in to accuse and to blame and to ask questions that are not even valid. God, we pray the truth of Jesus that that couple has been fearfully and wonderfully made. They've been knit together by God and Lord, their love story is worthy. So Jesus, as they struggle with questions, as they ask the why, I pray that you would show up for them. God, I pray that we would never minimize their pain or try to somehow oversimplify the issue. God, I pray that we would simply be the kind of a church family who would come alongside and say, we are praying and we believe. God, would you do a miracle for the couples of Christ the King for whom this is their prayer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Infertility was seen as God's judgment in this culture, which is actually a gross misunderstanding. It's just wrong. But I want you to think about that. Hannah had to deal with the whispers and the ungodly judgments of cruel people. And then on top of that, she was exposed to this antagonistic relationship. A lady named Panaya, the other wife, saw the pain that Hannah was experiencing and she actually used it as an opportunity to exploit the pain. You can actually hear the cruelty. Hannah would go to church to pray about the same things that we're praying about, our deepest heartache, and her rival would come and provoke her. Why doesn't God answer you, Hannah? What did you do, Hannah? You must have done something wrong, Hannah. Some of us are having a hard time relating to that, but we shouldn't. We come to church to pray about our deepest heartache, and we have a rival that shows up too, don't we? Satan, our enemy himself, provokes us with statements. He goes, God doesn't hear you. What are you to ask that? You don't matter in the eyes of God. That's why he's not answering you. Or how about this one? Maybe you've experienced this one before. When the enemy comes and says, I know what you did and you're not worthy. And it's in that moment you have a decision to make. You can believe the lie and the liar or you can turn towards the truth and the way 
and the life. You need to learn how to make a pause and a mental shift. Here's the question. Are you going to believe a liar? Are you going to be the love of a heavenly father who says you are worthy? See, here's what happens. Here's what happens. The enemy comes and he accuses. That's why the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. But every time he accuses, if you know Jesus, you have an advocate who stands up in heaven and says, you shut your mouth. You don't get to speak to my son or my daughter that way. I paid the price. It's not about their worthiness. It's about my worthiness, which has been wrapped around them in a robe of righteousness. They're worthy because I said they're worthy. That's what we need to hold on to. Now, think about this, okay? Hannah faced years of infertility, judgment, antagonism. And she also faced what she believed were years of unanswered prayer come to that in a moment anyone in the room who's ever asked God earnestly and had to wait you can connect with Hannah anyone who's ever had an antagonist you you can connect with Hannah anyone who's ever felt like a prayer was unanswered you can connect with Hannah and this is what I love about her why I can't wait to sit down with her someday in heaven because she truly is one of my heroes This is what I love about her. The challenges of Hannah's life did not define her, but they did refine her. Even though people whispered and enemies taunted and heaven was quiet, we find her turning towards God. We all need to know this. Everything in your life brings with it an opportunity to either drive you towards or drive you away from God, and you get to choose the direction. In spite of the heartbreak, the antagonist, and the uncertainty, the doubt, and the questions, Hannah keeps choosing God. Let's take that apart. In a season of challenge, Hannah presses into God, and the way she does it is simple. she's, She's just being present. Verse 7, it says, this went on year after year. There's that phrase again, and it says, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord. Think about that for just a, a, a second. Even though it went on year after year, where does Hannah keep going? Back to God. She keeps going to the house of the Lord. Think about that for a second. How many of us stop going because we believed God stopped talking? Instead of pressing in, we pull away. How many of us just stop going because we're just not satisfied? And we get stuck in that kind of a mindset that, well, if God's not going to answer me, then I'm not going to go and connect with him. It's the exact opposite of what we should do. Hannah's just being present. She's present physically. She's present emotionally. If you have something that is so important to you that you want it more than anything, what better place could you keep coming back to than a miracle-working God who's the only one who can answer your question? Listen to her speak to God with an earnest heart while being honest. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. When we first started talking about Hannah's prayer, this is what many of you were thinking of and you were not wrong. This is a sincere request. And it's so raw and it's so real. Hannah is saying, sincerely, God, this hurts. There is pain. I want a baby so bad. God, I need you to hear me. God, you said that if I told you the desire of my heart, that that you would receive it. So here it is. And, And it's wrapped in a package of tears and groans. So 
we need to get this. God embraces your honesty. God never punishes people for being real because he already knows the depth of your sadness or the height of your joy. This is just an appeal. It's going to keep coming back all the way through the series. When you are praying, be honest. Don't be dishonest. We're so good at being dishonest, right? How you doing today? I'm fine. Are you really? Are you really fine? Oh, absolutely. I'm doing totally good. My life's falling apart, but God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Like, that's what we're supposed to say, right? I have to make people believe that I'm doing really, really, really good. But what if you're not? What if this was a safe enough place where any of us could walk up to each other and say, how are you doing? You know what? Not so good. Tell me about it. Let's pray. Can you imagine the safety that would flood into Christ the King Church if we became people who were just honest? Be transparent. God honors emotional honesty. I mean, have you ever given yourself permission to be angry in a godly way? I mean, ungodly anger just wounds people. Godly anger asks hard, probing questions and then keeps coming back as you trust God with the timing. So let me come back to the question again. What's the one thing you need? I mean, what's that one thing you need? Some of you are like, I need a way where there seems to be no way. For some of you, it's I need a child. For others, it's I need a companion. For others, it's hope, security, a job, a new future. There's nothing too big or too small in the eyes of God. So Hannah presses into God with honesty, and she does it as well while she's being persistent. Verse 12, and she kept on praying to the Lord. I love that. She kept on praying. God promises in the New Testament that if we ask anything in his name, it will be given to us which means God will always answer the cry of your heart. Now, you're not always going to get the answer you want, but the answer you get from God is always the best answer. Even when it doesn't feel like it, it's still the best answer. So you cry out to God from the depth of your heart. That's what prayer is, talking to and listening to God. And sometimes his answer is no. No. And let me tell you why. It's because I have a better plan. Sometimes the answer is, is, is I need you to slow down The request is beautiful, but the timing's not right. And only God can see the timing. You see, we have such limited understanding. God sees above all and perpetually, which gives him a different perspective. Sometimes he'll say, look, I'm not going to say yes right now because there's some lessons that need to be learned in the waiting, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Sometimes the timing, the plan, and the purpose align perfectly with God's heart, and so he just says, yes, yes. But this is the key that we often forget. It's never unanswered. It's never unanswered. God always answers. We may not like the answer, but God always answers. And that's hard. But we need to remind ourselves again, God knows the whole picture. So Hannah just keeps at it. Let me talk personally. I'm trying to keep at it. So if you guys have been around CTK for a long time, this is not a new story for you. I've been praying for more than three decades that my wife Laurel could see the world clearly again, that God would heal her vision. I want my wife to be delivered from Bietti's crystalline dystrophy and cystoid macular edema, period. That's what I want. 
I need it in the depth of my soul. Let me tell you why. If you've ever met my wife, you know this to be true. Her smile lights up a room, and the cry of my heart is that she could see your faces smiling back at her. Clearly, that's what I'm looking for. Now, I need you to know, do you know what keeps me praying after 30 years? 30 years. This is what keeps me praying. My belief in God, my love for Laurel, and the lessons I've learned from people like Hannah. Christ the King, don't stop. Keep asking. Don't give up. Don't give in. Be persistent. Wear out the floorboards with your knees if you have to. Hannah just keeps coming back. She also presses in the God while being misunderstood. So here's what happens. Hannah goes to pray, and the Old Testament priest, the pastor, sees her. She's praying. Her, her mouth is moving, but there's no words coming out. So just her lips are moving. Kind of like the guy in the store when I looked at him, right? His lips are moving, but there's no sound coming out. The Bible says Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Okay, it's not a very good pastor moment. Can we just be honest, right? Eli messes up. We all mess up, right? He just gets it wrong. Instead of like offering 12 steps or an encouraging prayer, he just rushes to judgment and he says such a, a beautiful understanding thing. How long have you been wasted? You need to put away your booze. Not a good moment for Eli. Hannah's misunderstood, but here's what I love. She doesn't get angry. This is her response. She says, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. You ever been misunderstood? I certainly have, but this is what I love. She doesn't react or becomes defensive. She doesn't choose to be offended. Our culture has made an art out of being offended. We're offended with everything these days. Hannah does exactly the opposite. I read this amazing quote the other day that speaks to our culture's obsession with being offended. It said this, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Right? Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. I mean, Hannah doesn't get all offended. She's just honest. I love the response. I'm just deeply troubled, Mr. Pastor. <laughs> Thank you for your compassion. But that's, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not wasted. I'm praying. And she's praying honest, bold, persistent prayers from a very vulnerable low place. And even though it's been a long misunderstood journey, Hannah continues to reach out to God because he know, she knows he's the only one who can answer me. So we find her pressing into God while she's being expected. I mean, it kept saying in the text, she kept coming back year after year. Think about that. It's been years of no, slow, grow. She hasn't got a yes yet. But she keeps coming back. Why? Because it's the only place of hope that she knows. With God, there's always hope. And Eli shifts, I love that, from judgment to compassion. And this is how he how he kind of salvages the moment. He says, go in peace, 
And may God give you what you've asked of him. I love that. We can all offer the gift of hope. When someone comes and says, this is what I need. I'm not even talking about what I want. This is what I need. The way we offer hope is say, then let's go and talk to God about it. Go and talk to God about it. Here's one thing we can all offer each other on this journey. It's to be able to say, look, I don't know how God's going to answer your prayer, but I do know a God who's more than able. So let's pray. Verse 18, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. To his blessing, she adds her agreement. May your servant find favor. And that should be our prayer too. I don't care what you're asking for today. May you find God's favor. And the Bible says she goes on her way with both prayer and hope. In this particular story, God answers Hannah's prayer with a little boy. For those of you who are still waiting or dealing with an antagonist or struggling with prayer, can, can I ask you something really hard? Can you celebrate the fact that she got something you're still waiting for? Can you loan your joy to the fact that she got a yes while you're still waiting for yours? I know it's hard. Our longing should never steal from someone else's joy. We should celebrate every answered prayer, both ours and the prayers of others. Every time there's a yes, we should be the ones to go, thank you, God. Do you know why God gives us a front row seat? It's not to make us feel miserable because someone else got a yes. It, it's to give us hope because somebody else got a yes. And we find Hannah being grateful. Verse 27, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. God says that, or Hannah says this, God, you gave me your gift and now I'm taking that gift and giving it back to you. Hannah doesn't take the gift and then run away and do what she pleases. No, she takes the gift of little Samuel. That's his name. And she hands him right back over. Parents in the room, can I ask you a question? Have you dedicated your children's lives back to God? They came from him. It would just make sense. Have you offered them back to him? For everybody in the room, have we taken every gift God has given us and then offered it back to him? He's like, why would I do that? Because God is a God of multiplication. So in the middle of the challenge, Hannah is filled with gratitude and we find her being faithful in her relationship with God, knowing that he was being faithful in his relationship with her. So now I want to reread a little bit of that first prayer. Now you know her story. Now you know it took, it took years to get to this place. Now you know all of the, the, the factors that were pressing in on her, trying to convince her to stop praying. But this is what she kept praying. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord my horn is lifted high, my mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. Some of you are here today and you're struggling, but I want you to know this. <laughs> You may not have seen your deliverance yet, but it's coming. That's faith. 
She says, there's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. Today is a day you can declare. Everything around me feels like it's shifting, but on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. She goes on and says, she who was barren has borne seven children. I met two couples this morning who walked up to me and they had the same story. Grant, we were praying for years and the doctor said we could never have kids. And then both of them said, apparently God had another idea and they introduced me to their children. Hannah says, he will guard the feet of his faithful servants. Which means this. We must be faithful in bringing that need to God. And then we have to trust that he can take it from there. So here's the question today. Can I pray like Hannah in anticipation of God's answer? No matter what the answer may be. Can I pray like Hannah with expectant joy? Well, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do exactly that today. I have a question for you. Can you praise and pray even in the middle of your need? It's actually a gift to yourself when you can pray and praise in the middle of your need. Not just your want, but your need. So in a few moments, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to stay seated until God tells us to do something different. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and join me because in just a few moments, Eve and Shana and Devante and Elvira are going to, they're going to sing with us and we're going to join them. And, and I want to challenge you to stay in your seat until in faith you can cross a line, stand to your feet and declare, it is well. Even if I get a no, it is well. If I have to wait for years, it is well because I trust my father. The lyrics we're going to sing sound like this. Grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Because through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you because it is well with me. Far be it from me to not believe even when my eyes can't see. And this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. Because through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all it is well the little course just destroys me every time we sing it here so let go my soul and trust in him the winds and waves still know his name You're like, Grant, I'm in the middle of a storm, man. Like everything is just raging around me. Don't ever forget the wind and waves that make up that storm. 
they still know the name of Jesus. And if Jesus says, peace be still, they must obey. So here's what we're going to do. My friends are going to sing. You can sing along. And when you hear the words, it is well. I want you to answer the question, can it be? Like, I've got all this need, Grant. I've got all this need. I know. But can it be well with you today, knowing that God knows your need? And his answer is the best for you. So we're going to sing along, and, and you're going to hear that little phrase multiple times. It is well, it is well. If the Spirit prompts you in that moment to make a declaration, I may not feel like it, but it's well. I'm going to choose for it to be well today. Then I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to change your posture. I'm going to ask you to stand and declare to your antagonist, your rival, I don't understand it all, but it is well with me. And I'm not listening to your lies. I'm going to listen to his truth. And I'm going to trust his answer even when it doesn't make sense to me. So if the Lord prompts you, I'm going to say this as well. This is not a contest. This isn't something where we're looking around the room going, well, I wonder who's going to stand and who's not going to stand. This is, this is between you and him, not you and anybody else. So if God prompts you to make a declaration, it's well. I'll keep coming back. I'll keep praying. Then you follow God's prompt and stand.